Happy Monday, Tavis. <laughs> so weird. We're, like, I feel like that's become our like um, our you know go-to like opener is like Happy Friday, but yeah. it's not Friday. It's Monday. It's Monday. What happened? <laughs> oh my gosh. Because <laughs> we've always done these on Friday. Exactly. And then released them over the weekend. And release them every two weeks, but it's been three, three and a half, yeah. something like that. First of all, to all of our dedicated fans, I apologize. Um, but this Tavis... Was, this was the episode that almost wasn't. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Tavis and I both kind of went down hard. Um, and we thought it was appropriate to not push through and record this episode, especially the one about self-care. So we took some time to self-care. I... I caught a pretty bad cold, stayed home for a few days, you know, got COVID tested. Um, Tavis, what happened to you? Um, I thought I had a cold as well. And luckily I was already kind of home because it happened with the Thanksgiving break. And I also got COVID tested just out of, you know, precaution. And I actually was positive. So I, I had to deal with the whole, you know, wait it out. And thankfully it was very mild. Um, but I, and I'm over it now. And so, yeah, we, we, we tended to... We intended to record it once, and then <laughs> we intended to record it a second time, right? We were going to record yeah, it on Friday, and, we and that didn't happen. So here we are finally to talk about self-care. Right. And Knowing that we already put it into practice. We, this episode existing right now is a testament to the fact that we chose to postpone it for the purposes of self-care. Exactly. So, I mean, self-care is kind of a, a – I feel like it's a, a buzzword – in education, very, very much now, mm-hmm. <laughs> this year. But it's often a buzzword that everyone talks about, but no but one actually not. really does. Well, and I think that there's a disclaimer here that um, I, I feel as though I am lacking as a practitioner of self-care in in many ways, and and you know maybe identifying that or or, or saying that is one of the first steps towards recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well then. And I think you're probably a little similar. I was going to say, are we having like a meeting right now? Hi, I'm Tani and I'm a workaholic. <laughs> this is Workaholics Anonymous. <laughs> well, it is something that you and I both have talked about. You know, we, we work hard. Yes. We work hard. And um, well, th- this is kind of, you know, dovetailing into, you know, what our first topic, subtopic of, of, of this episode is, which is why is, why is self-care important? Right. Um, so our, our plan for this time is to talk about why self-care is important. Um, and then we're going to talk about some of the, the types of self-care. And really, we've kind of categorized them into you know physical self-care and mental self-care. Um, we'll talk a little about personal life versus work-life care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably the most what most people are, are already wondering because I know that I always wonder this when I hear people talk about how important self-care is, is when are you supposed to do it? Right. If so, it's so important, how come there's no leftover time? <laughs> how come it never feels like there's time to do and it? And there's nothing to cut out of my schedule. Yes. Well, so you, we're going to cover, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, fearlessly try to navigate finding time for self-care. Um, which I will also echo, Tavis, like this is something I will, I think I'll forever struggle with and work on getting better at, um, but my poor husband every year, at the beginning of the school year, his question is, so is it going to be better this year? <laughs> and, you know, well, I kind of laugh. It is though, right? Wouldn't you say that, like, because yes. I definitely feel as though this is something I've gotten better at. I Yes, every year, you know, I, I evaluate where I can balance my time more, and really, when you have kids, you start not having a choice. 
Um, so I was n especially not good at it when I was, you know, when we didn't have kids. So. Oh yeah, because you have so much time to fill. Right. Like. But I would argue for anyone out there who's teaching and who doesn't have kids right now, if you can establish self-care habits before you have children, Oof. it Oof. will be a game changer. Wise words. Yeah. Um, so why, why is self-care important? Well, how do you give to your students when you're, you're running on empty? There's an analogy you use, you use a lot that I really like. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember when I got my first car, um, my dad telling me, you know, something to the effect of, of, of how important it is to, like, you know, be proactive in your oil changes and the upkeep because if you do that, then you end up having fewer issues down the road. Um, and so um, even just thinking about, like, a gas tank, like, if you, if you keep if you keep fill, if you don't let your gas tank go below half, or so, then you'll never be in a position where your gas light comes on and you're worried about whether or not you're gonna be able to make it to your destination. So if we kind of view ourselves as, as cars, like self-care is what prevents issues down the road so that we, we, we find moments where we can refuel so we don't run the risk of running on empty and potentially damaging more that's under the hood than just you know being tired or running out of quote unquote gas. Exactly, and you know, even as like a new teacher, I always thought I had more gas in my tank than I wanted to admit, you know, and well, youth can do that as well. <laughs> exactly. And I, I know very little about cars, but uh, well, I mean, me, me too. I just, <laughs> that was... but I, I remember like my dad telling me, you know, when you drive on an empty tank a lot and you let your, your gas tank kind of go empty, all the gross stuff at the bottom gets pulled into your tank and, mm. um, and you're so really can, scraping the bottom of the... Yes, the, yeah. and that can come in and help damage your engine. And so I think it's the same here. Like, if we're always pushing the boundary of self-care, we're actually defeating the purpose. And it's it's if we're always trying to go to the very edge right before we get unhealthy, yeah. you're already there. Exactly. So. Well, you know, uh, the in, in California, I don't, I don't know how it is in other states, but in California, preliminary critique teaching credential only lasts for five years. Right. And I remember when I went through, at the time it was called BITSA, now it's just called induction, they explained that, that the reason five years is, is it's five years and not three years or seven years, because I, I remember thinking like, wait, this thing that I just worked really hard to get, this is only good for five <laughs> years? I have to go through like another, like, it felt like another credential program, like right. an induction program, I have to do all this stuff? But the reason is, is because data shows that new teachers are most likely to leave the profession within those first five years, because wow. that's where they feel most under supported. They feel the stresses of teaching is really at its highest right. and self-care is presumably not happening. Right. And so that's why these induction programs exist that need to be completed within the first five years so that the, the needs of new teachers are met when their needs are, are the highest. Right. And I remember thinking, oh, that self-care, like I need to, that was like one of the first times where I realized that maybe, because I, I reflected on my early years of teaching, my gosh, you know, I had oh kids, gosh. I had kids, but I had one kid and he was very young and like, you know, baby, really easy baby. And so I felt like I had all this time yeah. to just pour into my work. And I poured a lot of time into my work. Yeah. <laughs> same, same here at the beginning. I remember in my first uh, teaching year, I would be in my classroom till six o'clock every night. And oh, my yeah. my principal would come by and he'd be like, 
Tawny, you're the last car in the parking lot, go home. And I always had, you know, four or five reasons why I just had to finish this last thing. And he, he really definitely helped me that first year understand, you know, that the extra two hours you're pouring into your lesson right now is not going to be that life-changing tomorrow. Um, and I didn't mm. believe him at first. That's, that's you know? really, I find that to be so true. Yeah. Or, I mean, something will happen that will thwart the entire lesson. You're like, wait a second. Yes. <laughs> this was the thing that I worked so hard on, and now I forgot that there's a fire drill, yep. and like that I can't even do this. So going to bed at 1230 last night was, was pointless. Was all for not. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you just mentioned pouring into your classroom, and there's this great analogy that um, I came across kind of while preparing for this episode. Um, and it's by a woman named uh, Sarah uh, Alexander, and she's a licensed clinical social worker. And she often finds that people deny themselves self-care because they feel selfish. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they are, you know, putting their needs above someone else. Um, you know, in a, in a lot of contexts in life, that is considered selfish. But when it comes to self-care, especially in, you know, in her line of work, social work, in our line of work as teachers, she talks about, this uh, analogy of a water pitcher and the you're the pitcher the water is the energy and if you want to fill up somebody else's cup you have to put water back into yourself mm. you you will have nothing to oh, give them I love that yeah and I she, love that she um like you don't have enough, you, you won't have enough to pour if you're not replenishing the supply. Exactly. And, and I feel like in terms of teaching, that's where we get like these, you know, these teachers who are not only burnt out, but like angry, you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe, and, and a lot of the times rightfully so, because what's put on their plate is too much. You know, they're asked to pour out more water than they have, not because they're incapable, but because it's. The needs of, of their, their, their student population or their school site <laughs> yes. or, yeah. Absolutely. So I really like that water pitcher analogy because it reminds me that there are moments in teaching where I can say no, you know, within, within limits, but there are things you have to say no to. Well, to, to kind of extend your analogy and, and my analogy, I feel like, and, and you just mentioned, it, you know, there's people that have legitimately can, are feeling angry that they're being asked to do too much I think now more than ever mm-hmm. this year the end of last year like with with COVID like what's required of us means that like we're getting really bad gas mileage absolutely to use my car Ugh. example like we, we're having to refuel so much more frequently like we're we're we've become gas guzzlers yes <laughs> I love not... how metaphorical this episode is <laughs> well I, I do love my metaphors um <laughs> So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be very vulnerable here for a moment. Like, I, I've never in my entire life felt like I've, I've dealt with anything that has resembled, you know, depression or um, any of the indicators that there might be some, some you know, mental health issues. I, 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 I say that very, you know, recognizing how fortunately I can say that because I think that that's a very common thing that just goes unaddressed for a lot of people. Right. Um, until COVID, yes. I, this year, I, I have had moments where I, I have felt feelings that I'm like I have never felt this extreme level of uncertainty, doubt, anger, frustration, sadness. Um, it just, and, and I have to believe that that I'm not the exception. 
You're definitely not. And if I'm feeling that, having said, I, I'm not someone who usually feels that. Like, I can't imagine how it must be for people who regularly, you know, s- struggle with, with, with these kinds of feelings yeah. and then have that amped up right now. Right. So, I mean, all the more reason that, like, now more than ever, like, we, we just have to, we absolutely have to, to prioritize this. Yeah. Maybe not even prior, well, yeah, prioritize it. Right. I mean, that, it's not to say that it's going to, we're not going to do our jobs, but it is so important because we're in the line of work where we're helping others. Right. And you can't help others if you don't, if you're not able to help yourself. Right. And the it, tool, the tool that you're using is, is going to be not functioning right. properly. It's almost like, um, uh, you know, for another analogy, it's like a chef's knife. If you don't sharpen your knife, it's not going to be able, to, it, it won't work in the kitchen or it will work poorly. And the, the, I know nothing about cooking, but the, I imagine the cuts of meat you want to get will not come out the right way. It'll slow down the, the preparation for all the ingredients that go in. Like, well, and you want to know something about a dull knife? Yeah. You are more likely to cut yourself on a dull knife than a sharp knife. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's, it's very true. Like if you, I mean. And you are more likely as a teacher to make mistakes, to, you know, God forbid, snap at a kid. Oh like, let's God. just be honest here, right? I think we've both been there. <laughs> yes, when you're tired and you're frustrated because you, your lesson you stayed up working on didn't work well or you're not eating right because you're, you know, not packing a lunch or whatever it is, like those things play into the way you experience your school day. You know, and, and again, this is not a lecture. This is also me reminding myself about these things. So much of that, yes. <sighs> like, well, and, and it's self-care is a practice, not a perfect. Ah. It's not something you ever like, yes. oh, I'm doing that. Well, it's a practice. We're going yeah. to get to yoga in a little bit. But that's one of the things <laughs> that I like about yoga is there's no like, oh, and I can finally do it right now. I've made it. There's yeah. no end goal. It's, right. you, it is a practice. It is always happening. Um, uh, I've mentioned that, you know, in, in my, I think I've mentioned on here that in my class we do mindfulness. Um, we're going to get to that in a little bit too. But mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a quote that um, I, we talk, I talk about with my students sometimes. And it's actually from, I'm sure it's from some other source. But it's from, the, there's a scene in the movie Kung Fu Panda where the sort of the wise mentor turtle figure says to, you know, the, the, the main, what's his name, Poe? Do you remember? I don't. Man. There's listeners that are I've like, I've got a toddler. Anyways, I know. I'm ashamed right now. He says, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what we do as teachers really requires us to live in the past <sighs> or in the future. Like, we're either reflecting on what happened and figuring... I mean, like, by design, this is, like, good teaching, right? Right. Like, letting... You're using assessment data to drive further instruction. You're thinking about, how do I want to do this? Like, so rarely are we, like, you know, you know, in the moment. I mean, probably the most present we are during the day is when we're actually teaching. But, like, what about when the school day is over and the students leave? Like... That's when we really need to practice being present in order to refuel because it's, the, it's when the students are gone that we start thinking about how it went and planning for tomorrow. Absolutely. And you can't refuel if you're not right here right now. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like one of the places teachers often forget to refuel 
or they lean into their, their training, which isn't a bad thing, and they, they go to the past or the future, is during holidays. Like, oh, that no. is built-in self-care for teachers. Everyone always rants and raves. Oh, I wish I could be a teacher. You get summers off. You get, you know, the, the winter break off. And any teacher who, you know, cares about their classroom will tell you, Oh, I don't just rest during that time. I bring home lessons. I I am reading a new book oh, about grading. Yeah. I am prepping my next unit. Like, and again, not that doing those things during those breaks is bad, but when because well, it can be really fulfilling too. Absolutely, and like we're gonna get to you know in this striking episode, that balance. Yeah. yeah, what it means to also protect your work life because you don't you know self care doesn't mean neglecting your job. Um, but it, it means also not lo- neglecting who you are outside of the classroom. But holidays, I think, are a great place to make sure you have some boundaries in there if you are going to do some work over the holidays. Because, again, it is built in self-care time. And if you take holidays to completely do nothing for your classroom at all, I actually think that's really healthy. Well, and, you know, let's be honest, for, for, for many of us, the holidays provide their own level of stress and as as wonderful as they mean, I mean, there, there might be people listening being like, I hate holidays. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) My work is my like godsend. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, depending upon how big your family and how functioning they are, the holidays could be all the more reason, you know, to find that, that time for self self care. So, you know, let's talk about some of the the, the types of self care. I mentioned that, that, you know, when we were sort of planning for this episode, we sort of categorized them in in two different ways and in each way, two different categories. So one way was to, to, to categorize physical self-care and mental self-care. And then you, you kind of made the distinction of personal life versus work, like professional self-care and, and personal self-care. And right. obviously there's some overlap. Things that can be self-care professionally can also be self-care you know, personally, um, I think the, you know, just starting with physical self-care, the one that that comes to mind off the top of my head is is exercise. Like literally physical. Like literally, yeah, physical. Like, I mean, I, I really like to jog. I don't do it as much anymore. Um, but I, I mean, I used to, and this is, this is where, you know, someone like me, who's a workaholic, this, this can be a slippery slope because it can be, it can seemingly appear that self-care is happening when really it's not. But I used to try to be really efficient. I would take school materials with me to the gym and I would set them up on the treadmill as I was running. Yeah. So I could like <laughs> log in on my iPad to like the curriculum website and like look at look at lessons coming up or, or evaluate student work. I mean, I, I couldn't really write very well <laughs> running on a treadmill, <laughs> but like it was kind of like a twofer. And, you know, I did feel like it, it helped like the movement of my body the music you know that that I would always listen to music and that we'll get to that too would would help me recharge but I felt like I was being productive I didn't quite feel as though I was being as selfish but you know in in hindsight could I have been better at not thinking about school absolutely but at least it was it was better than nothing it was kind of an entry point for me I'd say that was one of the first steps towards self-care I think I took in my professional life was going you know what I need to I need to exercise right I mean, the first time I started taking self-care seriously in the physical department was like a few summers ago. Our campus did this really cool teacher summer challenge. Um, You know, and you don't have to participate, but they 
um, they challenged everyone to like form a new habit in their life. And that for me, that was like the, the first one that I wanted to, to tackle over the summer. And so I just started exercising every day and kind of posting online about it. And that was during the summer. So it was, it was like opposite of what you were just, you weren't having to yeah. navigate it with school. It was just right. fully, was yeah. At home with my toddler and we'd go, you know, I had a jogger stroller and some stuff in my garage and, and it became this beautiful habit that totally got crushed the minute school started. I, I could not sustain it. Um, but again, I think there were other things that need to be put in place, like a reasonable bedtime, you know, <laughs> or like not working through my lunch. Um, but the argument there is like, well, I have so much to get done. Um, and, and I think that's the constant struggle of where do you put your energy? And it comes down to this question of you have to sacrifice something. So what is it you're willing to sacrifice? Mm. Um, well, that kind of segues nicely into uh, um, we already mentioned yoga, but now we'll, we can mention it a little bit more purposefully. Um, yoga, it, it, it's something that I came to later in my life. And I, I, I feel like when I, as soon as I kind of discovered it, so, so to speak, I was like, forevermore, my life will be subdivided into two periods, before yoga <laughs> and after yoga. <laughs> like Tavis's pre-yoga existence and Tavis's post-yoga because I was just like, what is this thing? Yeah. Like it is just, I mean, I like it because it's arguably the only form of exercise that uh, is as mentally beneficial as it's physically been by design. Because yes, you know, many people get mental benefits from running on a treadmill and stuff, but yoga is intended to be for your brain as well. Absolutely. And like, you know, simple yoga poses and techniques can be great tools even to use in the classroom with students for brain breaks and things mm -hmm. like that. But um, we, I, it's interesting that you, you mentioned the, 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 the exercising over the summer and all of that stopping when school starts. Because this summer, as school was starting, and I realized that we were all going to be, you know, on campus by ourselves doing these distance learning. Like, I had this crazy idea of starting this staff yoga. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, how, wouldn't it be great if, like, there was, like, designated times each week where, like, hey, everyone, anyone interested? Like, you know, I'll just start a Zoom and I'll stream whatever yoga video, you know, app that I use. Right. Um, and we did it and it was great. It really was. And then what happened? I don't know. <laughs> School started. It did. We, we sustained it for a few weeks. And then. And then it would be like we'd have one, like, there'd be a small group of us that would be like, oh, okay, we're going to do it Wednesday at 3. And then. It, like 2.50 would come along and like the group text would start, hey, can we maybe do it 3.15? Hey, I right. think I'm going to bow out. You know, like yeah. I, I got sucked into grading. And then and then pretty soon it just like. I think report cards kind of did us in the season of report cards. Um, you know, and that's something to acknowledge too. There's seasons in our lives. Like we're, we're striving for progress, not perfection. So with that being said, when's our next yoga when our, our next yoga time. <laughs> you know what? For, for this episode, we should do one before um, before winter break starts. We should. There's actually a holiday yoga one coming up. Okay, done. Yeah, so more see on See people self-care. It's that easy. Yeah, see, we're doing it, we're doing it while we're recording a podcast. Um, <laughs> oh we're living in the future, though, not the present. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I love yoga. I'm like you. I found it um, just like in the last two or three years. And like one of my most beautiful yoga moments was um, – a few years ago, I took a yoga class and it was just a yoga stretching class. Mm. And um, the person leading it had us sit in these positions for like 
a good three or four minutes at a time. And that feels like forever when you're, you know, in an exercise class. But I would say like 10 minutes into the class, whenever we would get into a new position, I started to like cry. I had the, I had the same experience with yes. yoga. Yes. When I started, I was like, why am I crying right now? I had no idea. And it was almost like the yoga position was literally squeezing yes. out the stress. Yes. And like my husband took the class with me and he had a whole bunch of different benefits. But later he was like, are you okay? Like, why were you crying? And I said, I have no idea, but I feel so refreshed. And it was like these cleansing tears that I, that class has stuck in my mind. I've never had a class like that again. Um, not because they're not out there. I just haven't um, found one like that again, but it just speaks to the beauty that of That is yoga. so affirming. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember being like, is this normal? Like, why am I crying? <laughs> so normal. Because I, I had no explanation for it. Right. It was like I was feeling feelings that I didn't even realize I was feeling. Right. Until then, I was like, oh, I'm feeling that. Yep. And it's, something's happening. Yep. Okay. It was almost like, it, it wasn't like I was getting in touch with pain or anything. It was the feeling you get when you've had a hard day and someone gives you a hug. Oh, you know, yeah. and it's the comfort, it's the security, it's the, mm -hmm. the message of it's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's not that you're crying because you're, you're coming into face-to-face -face contact with something hard. It's actually that you're coming into face-to-face -face contact with love and comfort and support. It was almost cathartic to me. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, it was like the, the, the kind of crying you get when you, like, like, like watching a, a, a sad movie or something. Absolutely. Where it's like, you know that it's not real and none of it's real, but it's like allowing you this release of something that's been, been you know. You're processing. Building a pro exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that this is, this is, we're touching on the mental benefits. So like, you know, for, for the, those of those, for those of our listeners that are like self-care, what is like, how do we, I don't need, I can't even like one entry point, maybe exercise of, and that could be going on a walk. I mean, my, my, my wife, we, we live close to the river, the American river. And she like regularly is like every day she is down there walking mm. by the river. So that's, you know, she's mentally processing as well, but like whatever it is for you, like physical, physical self-care, like yeah. find out, find what it is. And yeah. you know, there's, there's you know, YouTube videos, yeah. yoga or boot camps or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, spin dance. bike, d dance, dance, I, I mean, arts. Oh, yes. That's a whole other episode, but yes. So expressive. <laughs> well, so, you know, the mental ones that, I mean, the first one that can't comes to mind is practicing mindfulness. Also a big buzzword, you know, mm -hmm. in just kind of the world right now. But and you do it a lot with your students. I, every day we do it. Tell and me I about really that I really feel like it's the most important thing. I mean, we, we start the day, we, we start the morning with it. And, and um, you know, with it, we sit in a circle and I have a little bell thing that I, that I chime. But, you know, mindfulness, for those who aren't, Familiar with what it is, because um, I have to. I've had to really kind of come up with a succinct definition for students, because it's kind of a lot to. It's it's this big, like ambiguous, blobby thing that's actually really quite simple. So what I tell my students is that the simplest definition of mindfulness is being aware of your breath, and being aware of your body, and mm. that's it. So the reason I like that definition is that it really allows you to be mindful, like no matter what you are doing. If you're aware of your breathing and you're aware of your body's sensations, then you yeah. are truly in the present. Right. You know, you're not in the, his you're not in the history of yesterday mm -hmm. or the mystery of tomorrow. 
the only thing happening right here, right now is the fact that you're breathing and that your body is sending these signals to your brain that it feels certain things. Right. That's it. Everything else that you could possibly be thinking about probably already happened, hasn't happened yet, or is happening somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and just slow down to like such basic functions of your body and who you are. You have to kind of block things out. You have to block out the, the stresses and the worries and the... Even like I hate to say block out the hopes because that sounds negative, but even no, but that's part of it too. Yeah, to. I tell my students that being excited about something can make it hard to be mindful because mm-hmm. you're you're focused on you know your weekend plans or or you know the the baseball game that you have coming up. Like again, it's not being present. And there's a time and a place for thinking about what happened and then planning for the future. There's, I'm not saying anything's bad about that, right. but when we need, when we decide that we need to refuel, I think that it's important that we, we just revel in the, in the present. Right. That's, that's the gift. Um, and you know, you can practice mindfulness while, while drinking coffee, while, while grading papers. Like, you know, you can double dip a mm-hmm. little, um, just and there's take these moments. so many, there's so many resources too, like, especially now just with COVID and, you know, mental, social, emotional learning and, and, and everyone realizing how important that is. Like yeah. there's apps like Calm. Um, yeah. my, my Apple watch like pings me all throughout the day oh, where yeah. it's like, Hey, it's time to breathe. Time to breathe. Would you like to do this? And I always have the dismiss button. And more often than not, I hit dismiss because it's like in the middle of the lesson or something, but gosh, that's. That's just another resource where even like companies like Apple are recognizing that our world does not do it. They're building it into the technology we're so addicted to. Well, and, and I think that modeling this for our students as well, mm. it, you know, like, you know, the, the breathing. Like, I've had students say to me when I say, OK, so take a breath. And they're like, why do you keep saying that? Like, <laughs> I've been breathing since the day I was born. I'm yeah. always breathing. And I say to them, breathing and taking a breath are different in the same way that walking and taking a walk are different. Mm. Like if I'm going to walk down to the office or if I have to go to the office to make coffees, yes, I'm going to walk down, but I'm not taking a walk. When I take a walk, I I do what I described my wife doing at the river. Like it's purposeful. Right. The, the point is the walk. It's not where you're going. Right. So yes, we breathe all day long, but how often do we stop and take a breath and really feel the feeling of air entering our body and leaving our body? Right. And just letting your mind only concentrate on that. Only on that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it's another thing I tell my students when I'm kind of hitting these mindfulness moments in the morning is that, like, you know, the, 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 the sound of your breath in and out when you become aware of it, especially when it's calm, it sounds kind of like the ocean. Mm-hmm. Of, like, the, the soft, you know, whoosh of, of waves in and out. Yeah. And so... You know, most people have a pretty positive association for the ocean. I think mm-hmm. that I could imagine for very good reasons not having a positive association for the ocean. But for those of us that do, like, right. I, you know, I say to my students sometimes, go to the ocean. Yeah. It's a, the calm beach. And it's built into your body. Right. This tool is built in. If you can be mindful while you're driving and stuck in traffic, like, you always have this tool available to you. It's not like a spin bike or a treadmill <laughs> or right. a yoga mat. Where you have to plan it and schedule it. That's that's the beauty of mindfulness. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like we're going to, we could, there could be a whole episode on mindfulness right. and stuff. This is not that. But consider, oof, that, that Tawny has a very loud <laughs> air conditioning unit in her classroom. That's what that. And you know what? It's just recharging. It's doing some self-care. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, um, but uh, just kind of going to the science of mindfulness too, and, and I can't speak too in depth on this, but I know that there's benefits like scientifically when you take full real breaths, when mm-hmm. we're doing shallow breaths all throughout our day because we're not aware of our breathing or we're panicked or stressed, that, that decreases the oxygen levels in our body and that does all sorts of weird stuff. So mindfulness and yoga the same way, like they both concentrate on breathing because that's the thing that actually refuels the way our body functions. Mm-hmm. It's like bringing in this- Oxygen. Oxygen, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you, you mentioned, I think, did you mention music already? You did. Well, I brought in dancing and we talked oh, about the dancing. arts. The arts, um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I play the piano, and that is something that is just, I, I could lose myself. I mean, I could spend hours I mean, if I had hours to spend. That's like, that's your heart. That's another, oh. that's a whole nother life and talent and love for you. I mean, I have to say, sometimes it does feel indulgent, and I feel guilty. But like, but even just granting myself a few minutes, like, I, I notice how it can, like, turn me around sometimes. Like, it's it's just such a great form of self-care, whether whether it be playing or, or listening or, um, <laughs> yeah, having a dance party. <laughs> Absolutely. My art is, I would say dance is definitely an uh, art form that I can't do anymore, but I love. Um, I, I can't do it the way I used to. I used to be on the dance team, and I was a, a dance minor in college for a while, but it was another form of just releasing stress. Mm-hmm. Now I would break things or tear muscles um, if I, you know, dance that way. But singing is another outlet for me. Uh, and it's it's very similar to what you're talking about with mindfulness. I can, I sing while I fold laundry or do the dishes or, you know, sometimes even just playing with my toddler. Mm-hmm. I don't have to disengage from him because I'm singing to him. Mm. Um, and, you know, he loves it. He sings along with me. But, you know, is there an art in your life that, you know, you love doing how is it how is it something that you can use to pour back into yourself you know Tavis you mentioned you feel indulgent in when you play the piano and that just takes me back to like the water pitcher analogy and yeah. you know the the um, social worker who said people don't indulge in self-care because they feel selfish and like what a beautiful moment to give yourself you yes. know you know it, I because I can imagine some some of our listeners being like, "Yeah, well, I don't play an instrument, and I don't I don't really sing, and like I'm not a dancer, <laughs> so like you know." But just just listening to the to music, having <sighs> music on, like that's one thing I like about your classes. I feel like you have music on a lot. Like, I the do. Times that I come in here, like, and it's just amazing what that does. Mm-hmm. Just amazing what it does, and that can happen kind of in the back. Now, there's plenty of times where it's not appropriate to have music, right? But like, in the, I, I was finding in the morning on the way to work, um, I would often be listening to the news. Because I, I just like to find out, what's, you know, I like to be yeah. up with it. And what a what a what a way <laughs> to just add noise to my brain. I mean, while I enjoyed that, I kind of you know could keep up with conversations about current events and stuff. I, I kind of reached this point where I was like, do I need this? And so I I I really try now to just put on music yeah. in the morning on the way to work and not just you know have a time of day where I check the headlines and, you know, give, grant myself that because I think that, you know, it's all about finding this balance. Again, but yes. First thing in the morning on the way to school, I didn't know that I needed, especially this year. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know if I needed to fill my brain with what was happening Well, and then. I, I think that's just another great example of a moment where you don't have to schedule it. You don't have to carve out uh, this other routine to self-care. Like, 
literally just listening to music is something that most of us already do um, in our car. But the drive to work, gosh, there's so much competing for your attention. Those copies you have to make, like getting mm -hmm. your board set up, making sure your computer or t your internet's going to turn on that day. Mm -hmm. Like just give yourself that drive to work to just be you, hear your breathing, listen, rock out to a great song. Seriously. It doesn't have to be calm. Yeah. Like that's self-care too. Drive safely, but. Uh, uh, obviously. <laughs> Um, but w one thing I've also f uh, found that is incredibly just rejuvenating is, is reading, you mm -hmm. know, and you don't have to have a talent to, to do that. You know, you have to know how to read, yep, but, yeah. but, you know, it is something that is incredibly calming. And again, it's a thing that has to be built into my schedule. I often find... Now, can that, I just interject? Do yes. you mean specifically reading non-teacher related stuff? Absolutely. Okay. So I think that's probably important to yes. just put in there as a footnote. Reading right. for pleasure. For pleasure. Right. And, you know, I'm sure some people out there could make the argument that, you know, pedagogy is exciting to read about. And it absolutely oh, totally. is. However, you have to disengage. Mm -hmm. And so reading for pleasure is taking you on a journey. It's taking you on a story. Um, not that nonfiction books can't be fun either. That's also a, another way to self-care. But Something well, but you could read a biography or something. Absolutely. You, know, that you can read nonfiction for pleasure. It's not like you're saying it has to be like, you know, yeah. crime <laughs> novels or things like that. Exactly. Fiction and nonfiction both have these beautiful benefits. But non, non-educational related yes. things. Because there's, there, we all have bookshelves of, you know, right. books on teaching strategies and classroom management tips and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, things to disengage from your, from your classroom. And... Um, every year at the beginning of the school year, I do a unit on independent reading with my students and really kind of make a case for why it's important to have this daily habit in their life. And I brought in some statistics I found just kind of throughout the years. But um, I share with my students that, um, you know, studies show that reading reduces stress 68% uh, more than listening to music, 100% more than a cup of coffee. Ooh. 300% uh, more than going for a walk, and 600% more than playing a video game. Now, these are like, you know, they're activities that kind of cover the gamut of age, right? Mm -hmm. I, I hit on the video games <laughs> with sure. my kids a lot. Yeah. Um, but we talk about what reading does to the brain. And there was this one um, article in the Chicago Tribune that really talked about reading being an active activity versus TV. I feel always like that's the 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 other half of the coin, right? Like, are you going to watch a show or are you going to read, read a book? Yeah. And, you know, because they're both telling stories and people always ask like, well, does TV give the same benefits? And science has shown um, not really. It's not that TV doesn't relax you, but reading relaxes you more. And it's because reading engages your brain it's an active, active activity, whereas TV, it's a passive activity. You get to sit back and it's, all the information all is given stimuli, to you. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to imagine the scenery because you're looking at it. You don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to come up with the, the moment of the action of the, the characters because the TV show is giving it to you. I remember hearing once that, that they did some study and found that there's, you have more brain activity staring at a brick wall for... <laughs> half hour no I mean think about it oh my then a gosh. TV like like if you're staring at a brick wall for a half hour mm -hmm. what is happening in your brain <laughs> I mean you're like you're naming the bricks I don't yeah, know I don't know but like I that made total sense to me I was like yeah. oh yeah I could see it because you know you 
just, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. term Netflix and chill. I mean, what that means, like, I'm just going to like, right. I'm gonna just sort of unplug. And like, I'm not saying that, uh, believe that, me. That could be, that is absolutely valid self-care. I'm the biggest TV binger in the world. Like yes. something Tavis and I often come to Monday morning. We're like, hey, did you watch the episode of. Or check Ec- out this show. Yes. <laughs> So it's, I mean, that's another place where you can wind down. But um, if you haven't tried reading as a regular habit, it's a it's a really beautiful thing to kind of help you wind down. Also, the benefits of moving from reading a book into bedtime, you're exhausting your brain because you're actively engaged in what you're doing. But also, it's a, it winds you down better. It winds yeah. you down. You can turn your brain off better. TV lights um, turn on a lot of things in your brain because, you know, it has to do with yeah. melatonin, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. when there's light there. So shut your melatonin down, read a book, and go to bed on time. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because you were the one that made this distinction of personal life versus work-life care. What did what did you, what was your thinking behind that? Yeah, so, you know, I mentioned before, kind of as a, a new teacher, you know, I was married, but we didn't have any kids, and my job constantly ate into my home life. And, you know, my husband... had a very high pressure job as well. And so a lot of our nights we would end up, um, you know, sitting on the couch together and with our laptops open and the TV on. And that's what we kind of considered quality time. It was like, he's doing his emails, I'm doing my lessons. We're kind of semi watching the show and we touch base about something that would happen. But really we were just working right next to each other. It wasn't this quality time. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, you know, and that was our everyday life. Um, and it didn't become too much of a problem um, right away, you know, because there's a lot of ways you justify that, right? Like we both got high power or high stress jobs, but there just came a moment where it was like starting to affect us and we were realizing we were disconnected. And so, um, you know, we both pulled back on our, bound, our our work time a little bit, but it just came down to these questions of, like I mentioned before, what am I willing to sacrifice? And so, you know, my husband and I set a time for me to come home and it was so hard. It was so hard to leave my classroom at 4.30 or five. And I'd always have a reason why I had to stay 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a battle in our in our home for the first few years. And one that, you know, sometimes I was able to get on top of and same with him and other times, depending on the season, wherever we were, we would epically fail and just be kind of married to our jobs. And then when we had our son, that wasn't really a choice anymore. (laughs) It really wasn't, um, especially for me as a woman who, you know, like stayed at home with, you know, my baby who was dependent on me for food for the first year of his life. Um, and so I started really thinking about, you know, I have, I have so much to get done in my day and it's all mixed in, right? I mix what I have to do as a wife and a mom and a teacher and a friend and, and I'm going down the, the list just as I kind of come across that responsibility and it's not really categorized. And so I, I, and again, I'm still working on this, but I've started to approach this separation of what are my work responsibilities and when can I get them done? Mm -hmm. And what are my responsibilities at home? Because if I'm going to shift 70% of my day into my classroom, that means now my son only gets 30%. So when I look at it that way, is it fair 
for my son or me even. I, I think that comes back into it. I'm never, I was never cutting in time for like, you. for me, like to go get a manicure, go get a glass of wine with a friend, go read a book that I cared about. Um, and so I've just kind of shifted my approach in where my boundaries fall or where my responsibilities fall in my day. And that's kind of revolutionized, especially this year, um, when I take care of things. And so, you know, I've got, I work and, at, at school until about 4.30 every day. You know, and some teachers go home right away and there's no shame in that. I'm, yeah. I like applaud you. Um, for me, I, I couldn't do that. I would need to go home and work some more and just to kind of keep every day rolling in my classroom but I stay till 4 30 and especially this year and I know you've gotten better this year mm -hmm. too is at 4 30 I shut down and I go home and I make dinner and roll on the carpet with my toddler and like check in with my husband um and so it you know I think the big revolution or uh, realization for me was that responsibilities come in different categories. It's not like you wake up and your whole day has this huge list you have to get through. You're allowed to turn them off when you need to step into a different part of your life. Well, I feel like what I hear you say is, is you're kind of underscoring the importance of balance. Absolutely. And, and I, I've really felt for a long time that, that the most, most solutions involve Fine. Like very, very few problems are, are solved with, with kind of a black or white approach. Like right. there's usually some sort of like balance that is needed to be found in order to. Right. And yeah. Well, and the, the fear too, I think, especially as for me as a new teacher was that if I started giving time to myself and my responsibilities at home, my classroom would suffer. <laughs> but it's such a lie. The exact the opposite exact happens. Opposite. Because when I would go home, now I had time to make sure I was eating right and make sure that I was going to bed on time and packing a real lunch. And so when I came to school, I had more mental like stamina because I got a good night's sleep and I had a great lunch waiting for me. Um, so the benefits are really are there when you find that balance that you're talking about. Yeah. So. And so I feel like we've we've hinted, not even hinted, we've 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 kind of implied some ways to find time because we we sort of opened saying like we know that that this is the pressing question that everyone <laughs> yes. has and here we are like you know 40 something minutes in and yeah. we haven't quite gotten to it yet but we've kind of have been you know hitting it along the way but i mean let's just take a moment to really to explicitly talk about some of the ways that we find time i know for me i i've i'm kind of adopted this kind of less is more um approach this year like mm -hmm. find sacred time it doesn't have to be a lot but find sacred time um go but going back to yoga like you know I, I was always trying to find ways to do like a 45 minute or a 60 minute yoga flow and like it, it was just what would happen is I'd find like once a week I'd figure out how to get, get that in right and so instead I was like you know what I, there's all these like 10 minute yoga classes like I'm just gonna start doing those I can do a 10 minute yoga class five nights a week so, you know, if you just look at, at the end of the, the old way, once a week I would do a 45-minute to one-hour yoga class once a week. Mm -hmm. Now I'm doing that same amount of yoga, but that 10 minutes feels, it, my body feels the same as 40 minutes. And I can do it so much more frequently. Right. And so, like, it's just, it's don't underestimate what just a few minutes of insert self-care, you know, choice here will exactly. will do for you. 
Um, so less is more. Find sacred time. Mm-hmm. Really, really treat it as sacred as you would an IEP meeting or something. You know, like exactly. Put it on the calendar if you need to. Like you wouldn't make excuses for not showing up to an IEP. No, you just was like, oh, I have to do it, and you might grumble about it a little bit, but like mm-hmm. you do it. You just you understand its larger value. Absolutely. Um, also, like getting creative with when I talked about, you know, you know, the double dipping with taking the the, the materials to the gym and, mm-hmm. and reading them, but. You know, can you find some sort of self-care that can happen on your drive to or from work? We've already mentioned some of them. Right. Um, you know, since I've built mindfulness routine into the start of my day with my students, I get it daily right. because I do it with them mm-hmm. in the classroom mm-hmm. and I'm modeling to them. So, you know, that's another way that you can just kind of get creative. Um, it, can you involve others? Um, sometimes, you know, yoga is something that kids kind of like, they like doing kind of funny poses and yes, it changes the yoga experience that you as the <laughs> adult is, are going to have. But like, there's times where like, it's not always something, but that they're into, but you know, there's times when I've been able to convince my kids to do yoga with me. Right. Um, uh, one of our colleagues, um, and I don't know how she's doing it this year cause you know, it's COVID 2020, but she started every day with like a, a class walk around the field. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was just her time to kind of touch base with the kids they got to touch base with each other and she I remember her saying it like changes the dynamics yep. of when they walk into her classroom yep. and like that's a benefit for her too to be able to just go outside and take a walk well and yeah it you know she spent 10 minutes d- doing a walk but like you know it pays for itself yep. like you know there's no like I- I'm sure there's less behavior problems in getting ready there's less chit chat because they were able to talk with each other and talk with you as the teacher on that walk. There's a lot of benefits. Well, and when you involve others, there's accountability that gets built in. Like this was the idea behind staff yoga. Yes. Because I was like, I know if like I'm the person who's, you know, like leading the Zoom or whatever, and I know that there's like six people that are planning on joining, then I'm going to make it happen at three o'clock because I don't want to let others down. Right. We've talked about how we need, even in spite of that, we need to be better (laughs) than making it happen. Um, But, you know, like staff happy hour, like, you know... and, and, and making sure that if you do that, that you're not just talking about, because it's so easy to go get a drink after work or whatever. And talk and, about and work. And just talk about work. But, like, talk about, you know, your kids or, or your, right. your other plans. Like, I, you know, I've always said that that I really believe that who you work with is far more important than the population you teach with regard to, like, how satisfied you are as a teacher. It's a support like, system. A solid staff with, like, a really healthy, like, professional culture like I would take that with the most challenging student demographic in a heartbeat over the exact opposite, yeah. the inverse of like the perfect, you know, student population with involved parents and kids that just are just dying to learn each day, but with a really toxic staff culture. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Well, it's very isolating. Ugh. Yeah. It's so what, what are, what are ways that you've managed to find time? Well, I mean, all the things that you mentioned um, are, are ways that I'm constantly attempting to build into my my school day. But um, one that's really stuck with me, again, is just from my first year of teaching. Um, my principal, the same one who was telling me to get out, you know, at 6 o'clock, he taught me this concept of teaching while or resting while teaching. And I thought he was crazy at first when he was mm. telling me this. But after a few observations um, in my classroom, he kind of explained to me, look, when you're done teaching your lesson – and they start working independently or they're applying whatever it is that you just taught, you need to take a step back and just sit and relax. And I was like, oh, okay, just to give them, you know, a time to get, I could be over here doing my email and they're going to get started. And he said, no, 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 sit at your desk and literally do nothing. 
And I looked at him like, should you be a principal? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? But he explained like, just like a racer sprints when they, you know, they sprint and they give it their all. And that's what teachers do when we teach. We give it our all. Our lesson is it's more exhausting than we like to admit or even recognize, like taking information and distilling it down into these simple chunks that children can comprehend and then recreate. That's an exhausting mental and physical process. Anyone listening is like, you know, snapping their fingers right now. (laughs) And so he literally said, go sit at your desk and just watch or sit or answer a text. Like, and my biggest fear, and I'm sure everybody's biggest fear is like, oh God, what if someone walked by my classroom, right? And they pop their head in the door, they look in in the window. I would look like, like I was failing as a teacher. I'm doing nothing. And his response was, well, anyone worth their salt in education understands you cannot get a comprehensive understanding of the dynamics of a classroom in a three-second glance. So he's like, I'll never think that about you. And any of the colleagues Mm, who understand, you know, all of your colleagues will understand this. Like, they won't either. And the people who do judge you that way, just, just cut them out. It doesn't matter. You are entitled to take a rest. And it's not like sit back for 10 minutes and disengage from your classroom. He's like, take a few minutes and just be. And this does two things. It lets you rest. Like the sprinter who just finished a race, they do not immediately go start training. They don't immediately get ready to do another sprint. There's a time of rest. Mm-hmm. The other thing it does is um, it, it gives the students a chance to start without you. And it creates Mm -hmm. resilience, and it gives them room to make mistakes. If you're wandering around the room right away, some kids will feel that pressure to have something on their page. Or to reach out and be like, I need help. Like, yeah, like, oh, help me get started here. There's two kids. There's the kid who just needs a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. but they're afraid you're going to see their pages Mm -hmm. blank. Mm -hmm. And then as a teacher, we insert ourselves, right? Like, oh, I see you're not started. Mm -hmm. What do you need Mm -hmm. help with? When really they don't need help. They just need time. Mm -hmm. And then there's the second kid who knows, oh, well, this is hard, I, the teacher's here, can you help me? Like, and there's no resilience built. Mm-hmm. So just building in like these few minutes to rest after your lessons before you get up and start doing those small groups and those check-ins and whatever it is, it is revolutionary in how your students approach the work and it regenerates, rejuvenates you to go to the next part of your, your Or classroom. how about this? How about when your students, I mean, you teach middle school, so it's a little different. But for those of us in elementary school, you know, with self-contained classrooms, there's usually some degree of independent reading during which we're doing small groups and stuff. I mean, that's sort of like the, you know, the the pedagogically sound thing to do is when Mm -hmm. students are reading independently, that's your time for, like, conferencing one individually with students Mm -hmm. or doing, you know, you know, your, your small groups. But could you take five or ten minutes at the beginning of that to read your own book for pleasure? Like you are asking them to do? Mm hmm Mm-hmm. And then you're doing the reading that you already talked about. You're modeling, and, and you have a book that you're reading that you can talk to them about. You know? Yes. The first school I ever worked at, it was a private school. I think I've mentioned that yeah. before. But that was actually a requirement mm. for the, the, all the language arts teachers, and that's what I taught. And it was a 15-minute period. Every language arts class was required to start with. And as a teacher, it was part of my responsibility to have my own book and model that reading. That's and awesome. it was so cool. And when I came over into the public school system, it was hard to find that time. But I mean, arguably, I, I should be finding that time too. Well, and again, it doesn't have to be the whole time. It doesn't right. have to be the full 20 minutes they're reading independently or whatever. Like, it right. could be five. But, but modeling less that, is more. <laughs> yes, less is more. And 
I would argue that more of those students fell in love with reading because they saw me doing it and believed that there was some enjoyment to be found. Mm. You know, the kids who were like, oh, I don't like to read, they watched their teacher, like, I would laugh when I would come across something, or like, I would get teary-eyed while I was reading. And there was this in- intrigue, like, oh, she's enjoying that book. You know, I had a kid pick up Lord of the Flies in sixth grade because that was <laughs> one of the books I was reading, and he loved it. Awesome. Yes. So, anyways, all in all to say, I mean, it's we're going on about an hour here, right? You know what? But I mean, it, 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 I think that it's appropriate that our longest episode to date <laughs> is the one on self-care. I, I agree. Think that maybe highlights what we really feel is important. Yeah, and, what's valuable. And, and, and again, we are the first to, to admit that, like, we aren't always great at this. Yes. It's it's a practice, not, what did I say? It's a practice, not a perfect. <laughs> it's a practice, not a product. It's, it's, a, a, it's a practice There's a bumper life. sticker in there right. that's like. Progress, not perfection, sure, maybe? Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. All, all in all to say, you don't have to be amazing at this tomorrow, but you can start tomorrow. And you can start very simply. Yeah, make a commitment. Choose just one form of just a few moments of something. And just a reminder that you can share these things with us. Yes. Teachingbeyondthegradebook.com will take you directly to our anchor page. You can leave those little audio messages on there. Um, We're also... Our emails. Emails. What are our emails? Tavis at teachingbeyondthegradebook.com. Tawny at teachingbeyondthegradebook.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear some ways that, that our listeners have found for self-care. I mean, I'm sure that yeah. there's creative ways that even I, we, we would be like, that is brilliant. Yeah, please share because I want to try it. Sounds good. All right, well. Go do some self-care. Go do some self-care. <laughs> <laughs>